Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Randy, and we are continuing in our series called I Live for This. This week, Daniel speaks to us about the importance of the name of Jesus and how believers around the world have given their lives to honor God in His holy name. Our prayer is that as you hear this truth, the name of Jesus will become the subject of your sentences and your conversations. We hope you enjoy week two of I Live for This. the 5,000, and he's with his disciples, and he asks them a question. He asks them, uh, who, do you, who, who do people say that I am? And his disciples a- answered, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and he kind of he stops him, and he re- reiterates the question. He says, no, 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 who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, he opens up his mouth, and my favorite, come, he's so great. He opens up his mouth, and he says, you are the son of the living God. Or some translations say you're the Christ of God. And Jesus goes on to give them some foreshadowing of his death. And he says, The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. He then goes on in verse 23 to give kind of some instructions or a command, if you would. And he says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this time where we can learn about you, where we can dive into your word, Father. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these students that You'll soften their heart, open their ears for what you want them to hear. Father, allow me to get out of your way. We love you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we started a new series called, uh, well, that's me, called I Live for This. Uh, And and it's kind of one, I'm a a big fan of the song that it's on that little clip right there. If you haven't heard Jesus Freak by DC Talk, right after this. Get your phone out, go to Spotify, search Jesus Freak, Jesus Talk. It's a great song. Um, it's uh, one of my favorites growing up. But Jonathan talked about last week what a martyr was. He talked about someone who, who, who dies out of persecution of their faith. And he talked about the first martyr being Stephen and how Stephen in the Bible was, was stoned to death because he would not deny Christ. He wouldn't, say, he, wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't deny Christ in front of the Sanhedrin. And it talked about how after his death, people laid their, their outer garments, their jackets or whatnot, at the feet of a man named Saul. And we, we know that Saul becomes Paul later on. Uh, but at the time when he was Saul, he was the, the number one dude persecuting Christians. Right? He, he, was, he was after Christians wholeheartedly to wipe them from the earth at that point. Now, if you're like me... <clears throat> If you're like me when, uh, when I was your age, uh, this idea of persecution uh, didn't exist. It, it was only in the Bible, right? That only happened uh, to, to people in the Bible or whatnot. You know, today we don't, we don't live with that. But the reality is, and after you've heard stories last week of, of pastors just weeks ago getting dragged out of their churches in China and people sp- having to spit on the Bible or to be shot, I couldn't have been further from the truth. 
You know, uh, persecution is alive and well today as it ever was, and whether it's today or in Jesus' time. And the idea that this series kind of, it, we're, we're using the quote from a, a book that we're reading, it, it, and the quote is, Jonathan said it last week, he kind of wrapped up with it, it's that you may never have to face the decision of whether or not to die for your faith, but every day we face the decision of whether or not we will live for it. So I want you to hold on to that over the next few weeks, and, uh, because we'll, we'll come back to it. But in America, in America, we've grown up with uh, religious freedoms. You know, we've, uh, you may have been in disagreements maybe on the playground with someone about what church you go to, but reality is none of us, uh, none of us probably have had policemen banging at the door uh, trying to get in because we're having a Bible study. You know, we haven't had uh, pastors dragged out of the church on a Sunday morning uh, just to be beaten in the streets. But the truth is, it's, it, just as in Jesus' time with Stephen, all the way till today, it, it's been happening over and over and will happen until the, until the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. And, and I want to give you some facts. I want to give you some facts to kind of show you this. Uh, open doors where the video that we watched Last week, in the video we're going to watch this week, that uh, website, it releases something called the watch list. Every year it releases a watch list, and I got, I got a, this information off of the 2018 watch list, but today they released the 2019 watch list, and, and just like 2018, the number one place, and what this list is, it's from number one to 50, it is the most dangerous places or dangerous countries for people, uh, for Christians specifically, sorry, for Christians to live due to violence and persecution. Uh, and so over the last few years, and I looked just right before I came up here, I looked because they finally, finally released it. Uh, North Korea has been the, the most dangerous place for people to live. And this was in the 2018 watch list uh, book. You can go download it. They give you a little PDF. Uh, it's really well put together. They give you the stats and things like that, but they also give you these little tidbits of things, and this is what was said in the 2018 one. It says, Christians are seen, in North Korea, Christians are seen as hostile elements in society that have to be eradicated, meaning wiped out. To a point, and this was just mind-blowing to me, that to a point that neighbors and even family members are highly watchful and report any suspicious religious activity to the authorities. Can you imagine being in your room and praying or praying over a family meal and your brother, younger, older, doesn't matter, twin, whatever it is, your brother next to you all of a sudden turns you in to the authorities and saying, hey, my brother prayed to God. Hey, my, brother ha my sister has a Bible. Can you imagine your mom and dad turning you in, their own flesh and blood, their own child, because... You have a Bible because you've said, no, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening even today in North Korea. Another country is Maldives, uh, and it says that, um, that the, it's the written law in Maldives forbids practicing of any other religion besides Islam. The importing Christian literature, so importing the Word of God, importing anything dealing with God is strictly prohibited, meaning that people and missionaries are, are smuggling in Bibles to these countries so that people can have them, whether it's page by page 
or New Testament to Old Testament. They're, they're trying whatever they can to, to get them uh, into this country so people can have them. This isn't in Maldives, but I want to show you a picture. It's, uh, I know it's a little, it's a little uh, pixelated because it was a video, uh, and the video was just kind of rough. But uh, this is a picture in another uh, Muslim country where some missionaries or something, I'm going to guess, were, were shipping in Bibles to uh, another people group or whatnot, or a city. Uh, and this truck, you'll see, you can see in the video if you go find it, uh, basically gets stopped. And not these police officers, not you know, the authorities or anything, just average Joes stop this truck, get these Bibles out, and they're in cases, yay, 40 Bibles of case, 50 Bibles, whatever it is. They rip them open, they put them on the ground, just broad daylight, middle of the street. This isn't like a spectacle or anything that they're trying to do. They're just taking care of business for the, in their mind. And they throw them down, and you see videos, or in the video you see them ripping out pages, and, and finally a guy pours kerosene or whatnot on them, and he lights them on fire. And Though this picture is, is, is hard to see, in general, what was tough in the video is, that, and because of why it's pixelated, is uh, it's done on a, like a phone, like a flip phone it looked like, um, because this guy who's doing it, he turns to the other guys or the other gentlemen who are yelling and talking or communicating, whatever it is, and they got their phones out too, and what's happening, and this is where I kind of... Uh, was saddened is that there's smiles on their faces. They're happy that they're getting that they found this shipment of Bibles and that they are final. They're getting rid of it. They're stamping it out in their minds and and, and there's you know two hundred or so Bibles there that just get burned to pieces. There's a story uh, and I'm sorry if I pronounced the country wrong or the city or whatnot, but it's. Uh, Baga, B-U-G-G-A, totally don't know if I'm saying that right. And there's a story that I read of a girl named uh, uh, Runkin. And Runkin was a, sl- uh, a maid uh, of a mayor in this city. And it got word that someone in this house, in this mayor's house, was reading the word of God had a Bible in her language or whatnot. And so the investigators, and mind you, this is the mayor's house of this city. But the investigators come barging in, busting down the doors, rip that house to shreds, trying to find this small book. And they find it, and they yell out, we found one, we found one, and they bring it out, and they line up everybody in the house, and they they one by one question them, who's is this? Whose is this? Is this yours? How do you know about it? How did it get here? And one by one, they all deny it and say, I, I, I don't know how it got here. Then finally, Runkin, she, she steps out and she says, it's mine. And the mayor tries to defend her, stepping in front of her and says, no, she only owns it. She doesn't read it or anything like that. She only owns it. Knowing that the penalty for having that Bible is death right there on the spot. And so she doesn't want to be defended by a lie. So Runkin steps away and says, no, it, it's mine. I read it, I study it, and it's the most precious thing to me. And so right then and there, she's sentenced to, to uh, death by suffocation. Now in this city at this time, there, it wasn't something uh, where, the, you know, where you're just, the air's taken out of your lungs or whatnot. 
wasn't something civil, if you would. But instead, she was tied up. She was tied up. They took her down to uh, probably a public place where the city wall was, and they hollowed out a portion of the city wall. Just enough for her to fit. And after, as, she, as she's tied up, they, they, they put her in this little hole, right? And they ask her, Runkin, you're so young, so beautiful, yet you're going to die. And her reply to them is, my Savior died for me. I will also die for him. And the way that they, they went about next is they took brick by brick and started to brick over the hole. And as it got up to her waist or whatever, she, they, they turned to her again and said, Runkin, you're going to die here. You're going to suffocate. And she says, but I will be with Jesus. And they go a little further and stuff until there's one spot left right in the front of her face. And they say, Runkin, just all you have to do is repent. Just say the words and we will let you go. We will let you free. And all she says is, oh Lord, forgive my murderers. And the last stone's put in front of her face. The story goes where years later her bones were recovered and buried in a cemetery in that city. But I want you to take a moment tonight, and, and I've done this in my own life, where uh, how often do we not only take for granted our religious freedoms in this world or in this country that we live in, but more specifically, there's two things I want to talk, I, I want to focus on. Is the first one is how often do we take for granted our, our Bible? You know what, you've heard stories now of someone having to spit on a Bible and Runkin have, like, having the Bible and being sentenced to death right then and there. And as I studied that and as I looked towards this story and as we're going to hear another story later, I started to look around my office, right? And maybe many of you can relate to this at home. I started to look around my office and I, I counted, I think, five Bibles, in different translations, in different hardback, softback, brown leather, black leather, big print, large print, red print, blue print, whatever it was. I, I mean, and that's just in my office here. And then I thought about in my, in, my, in my apartment at home or whatnot, and I was like, man, I probably have at least three more or so uh, there. And, you know, between the house I grew up in, we probably had a dozen or so, but yet so many of them, if not all of them, they just sit there and collect dust, right? So how often do we take for granted this, this word that we can go to the bookstore and buy at any given time? We can open up at any given time without fear. And then the other one is this. How often do we take for granted just the name of God? The Bible gives Jesus many names, and some of them are Abba or Elohim or Yahweh. You might have heard Yahweh in a song, but there's many names that, that, that he's given, and uh, meaning Jesus and God being three in one, uh, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and, and around the world, this name, uh, Yahweh or Jesus, it's said in hushed tones, and it's not because that, it, it, or should I say, it's not only because people, they're scared of being persecuted for saying his name out loud, but it's also, uh, highly because that when they say the name Jesus, they know the weight that comes with it. When they say the name Yahweh, they know the meaning that comes with it because they understand and the, 
the name is tied to a man, and, a, and it's tied to a man who walked this earth and who changed the world. It's tied to a man who, who called out the top judges of Supreme Courts, if you would, of his day for their wrongdoings. He turned tables and chased out people in the temple with a whip. This man was the one who walked on water, who raised people from the dead with his, just his voice who died on a cross for you and for me and, and who was fully man and fully God. That's what name is sticking, or that's what man is sticking along with this name. And fully God, meaning that he is the God. It's that name that split the sea that the Israelites could escape from the Egyptians. He's the one that brought fire down from Mount Carmel to defeat the prophets of Baal, who shut the lion's mouth in Daniel and who was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That same person, that same being, that same God is the God that it's, it's Yahweh, God, Jesus. Yet so often we say it to put weight to our words instead of it being the weight of our words. I explained it like this earlier uh, that I, when I was thinking on this is uh, in, um, in a grammar way or il- illustration would you say, we use Jesus sometimes as an exclam- or the name of Jesus, we use it as an exclamation point in our sentence instead of the subject of the sentence. We use it to say how frustrated we are or how happy we are or excited or sad, whatever it is. We use it as an exclamation instead of the subject when, when the reason is I think we sometimes forget who's tied to that name, whose name that truly is. Or sometimes we don't say it at all, we don't use it at all, or we're told not to use it at all because of controversy. There's a picture that I found, this was in 2016, this picture of this, this is a public, uh, a public bus bench, and, um, and it's in, uh, it was in Colorado Springs, and this organization here at the top, Christian Center, uh, is the one that provided the money to market this Jesus is Lord, right? Uh, but they, just like any other, uh, like, billboard or whatnot, it's rented space. They don't own this, this seat right here. Uh, it's rented space, and so the company that owns it had been, they had been leasing it from them for years, and they renewed their lease year after year. They probably had to touch it up or whatnot. Uh, in 2016, though, after many years of having this on this uh, public display of Jesus is Lord, in 2016, the people that owned this company that it was being leased from went back to this organization and said, hey, if you're going to renew your lease, you have to take off the word Jesus. And it says that the reason for it was because of hatred that they were getting. Because of mail that they were getting, the controversy that it was causing for their company. They were saying, you have to take it off. So, We have to remember this name is the name of the name above all names, the Lord of all lords. The, it's not just a, a normal name because he wasn't just a normal man. He was the savior of the world. Going back to, uh, going back to Luke 9, he tells, his, he tells his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily 
and follow me. Now, where we are in the story, the disciples would not understand that Jesus is talking about his cross that he is one day going to be nailed to in the coming future. They didn't understand that just yet, right? It's one of those things that they probably went back later and be like, that's, that's probably what he meant when he talked about that. But what they would have understood is that a Roman crucifixion, a Roman cross, it, it, it deal, they would have known every detail that it deals with. As in, it deals with whipping of the back and making lashes on the back, beatings, being tied to a, to, uh, to a pillar and being whipped constantly till, you're just, till you have lashes from your top of your back to the bottom. And then it would have been, uh, what would have happened, they would have gone from inside the city, they would have picked up the cross beam of the cross, the one that they would be nailed to, not the full like cross like this or whatnot, but just the cross beam, the one where his hands would go, and they would take that and they would put it on that person's back, whoever was being persecuted or whatnot, after having all the lashes on their back, after bleeding and probably not being able to walk super, super straight or whatnot, they would put this cross beam on their back weighing in a little over 100 pounds, and they would parade that person through the city. And as I speak, this is what happened to Jesus. They'd parade him through the city. They'd go outside the city gates. They'd go to a place where Jesus was crucified if it was the same place called Golgotha. And that's where he would be hung on the cross for all to see. And so what Jesus is trying to get them to see is that this isn't easy. When you follow me, it's not going to be easy. And all throughout Scripture, he tells us that. In the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon that he gives at the beginning of his ministry the last two beatitudes that he gives are blessed are those in, in Matthew 5, verse 10. It says, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Then it goes on to 11 and says, blessed are, are you when people insult you and persecute you and, falsely, uh, and, say falsely, or, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, because of my name. Blessed are you who are persecuted. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For, the same, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He said, you're blessed for, because of it. Because of my name, people are going to hate you. The world is going to hate you. But remember, you're not of this world. I've chosen you out of it. In John 15, I know we're skipping around, but in John 15, verse 18, it says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. When we become believers in Christ, we become, uh, it says that you're, you're no longer, this no longer is your home. When we become believers in Christ, it says that you are a child of God, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, remember in those times when the world hates you, when it tries to spit evil at you, it, it hated me first. It, it's because of my name it hates you. But, but know that because of that, you're blessed and your reward in heaven is great. 